but the God of all grace, who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you've suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. We started last week looking at the four areas of your life that God wants to move, the four areas that God wants to bless. He wants you to walk in perfection. He wants you to walk and be established. He wants you to be strengthened. And he wants you to be settled. And last week we touched a little bit on being made perfect. It is my personal opinion that when you say the word hallelujah or praise the Lord, or God is good, at that very moment in your life, you're walking in perfection. Job was perfect when he walked upright before the Lord. There's something about praise. Praise is your sword. It deals with the demons at hand. Worship is your spear. It deals with territory areas of your life. Praise creates a place for God to sit and dwell and occupy and move. I believe that with all of my heart. If my message had a title this morning, it would simply be, Let Go and Let God. There was a guy that went to the auction to buy a horse, and he saw the horse he wanted. He approached the owner. The owner gave him a price. The owner said, I want to tell you something. This is a Christian horse. And the guy said, what do you mean it's a Christian horse? He said, well, he responds to biblical terminology. And the guy said, okay, well, what's that? He said, well, when you want to go really fast, say, praise the Lord. When you want to stop, say, amen. And the guy said, man, that's, that's, that's a good horse to have. This is a Christian horse. Bought the horse, got on the horse, and said, praise the Lord. The horse took off 90 miles an hour. I mean, he was running like there was no tomorrow. Unfortunately, he was running right up to a cliff, 1,000-foot drop. The guy started freaking out. Whoa, stop, stop, whoa. Then he remembered it was a Christian horse. And he said, Amen. And the horse stopped right on the peripheral, right there before he fell off on the cliff. And the guy wiped his forehead and said, praise the Lord. <laughs> now, there's, there's something about terminology that when you speak the words of God, the things of God, your terminology, your verbiage changes as you begin to trust in the God that you're worshiping and trust in the God that you are praising. A guy was climbing a mountain, he fell Falling to his death, he managed to reach out and snag a limb. Right. Hanging on to the limb, the side of the cliff, about to fall to his death, he cried out, Help! Is anybody up there? And a voice came back and said, Yes, there's somebody up here. He said, Well, could you help me? Who is this? And he said, It's the Lord. I'll help you. Well, Lord, I've fallen off this cliff and hanging on this bush, and I'm about to die. Can you help me? And the Lord said, yes, I'll help you. Turn loose of the bush. The guy was quiet for a moment. He said, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> let go of the bush. Turn loose and let go of the bush. If you make it a psychological uh, decision to guard your words and guard your mouth and let only blessing and favor come forth from your mouth, It'll change every area of your life. It'll change every encounter that you will, every obstacle that you will encounter. It will help you walk through every area of your life. And I looked at some of the verbiage when you, when you have a consistency of praise and worship the Lord. 
your terminology changes. And you, your terminology begins with words such as, God's got this. Jesus loves me. Not today, Satan. He is able. It is finished. His grace is sufficient. Joy comes in the morning. I am not alone. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Christ is enough for me. Fear has no grip on me. He has overcome the world. I am a new creature in Christ. Jesus conquered the grave. Sin doesn't define me. Christ does. Be still and know, and God is good. We used to say God is good all the time. God is good. And so when you begin to walk in an area of your vernacular or your vocabulary or your verbiage begins to change and you decide to address every single area of your life in a positive, it will change your life. You'll, you'll actually see things happening. It will change your life. It's like the old verbiage, the positive sees the cup half full, the negative sees the cup half empty. The spiritual sees the cup overflowing. Should I say that again? The negative sees it half empty. The positive see it half full. The spirit-filled Christian sees it overflowing. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that's the way that you become established in the things of God. You're perfected by your praise. You're established by your obedience. I did a couple of things this morning looking at McDonald's was established in 1940. McDonald's is probably in almost every country of the world. I know there was McDonald's in Germany. There was McDonald's in um, the Bahamas. There was McDonald's in London. There was a, is there McDonald's in uh, Puerto Rico. Almost every country of the world in the past 80 years, McDonald's has established itself. It is solid. It's not going anywhere. Wendy's was established in 1949. It is solid. It's established. It's not going anywhere. Kodak is over 100 years old, been around 100 years. They are established. They have, they have built a foundation. They have taken up root. Something happens when you commit to the things of God. It's ironic to me that we want the best God has for us, not realizing he wants the best you have for him. And when you look at the guidelines and the counsel of God, uh, God's not all that demanding and God's not all that overwhelming. He would like for you to go to church once or twice a week. He would like you to pray once or twice a day. He would like you to be involved in some kind of ministry once or twice a month. He would like you to tithe and be established in your giving. So he doesn't expect a whole lot from us. When everything belongs to God and God asks for a tenth to support the kingdom and to finance the church, the question is, what kind of church would this church be if every tither, if every giver was just like me? Would the bills be paid or are you a wedding crash? You just show up because the lights are on and it's free. That's, that's something that you will stand before God. Not only will we give an account for every idle word we learn Wednesday night, man, that's scary. Every idle word, word spoken in doubt, discouragement, and fear, and trepidation. But we will give account for our financial ability to bless the kingdom of God. And last week I prophesied that I felt like there was an increase coming. And one of our, um, a part of this house came to me this morning and shared with me 
uh, what had happened, and he was working for a boss. They're not known to be generous. They're not known to be uh, over, overwhelming in the finances, but they saw his worth and gave him a dollar an hour raise. Now, that might not be a big deal to you, but that's a big deal to him because it helps do some things he, did, he, didn't, he wanted to do. And as I shared last week, there are four areas that you walk in in your finances. You walk in the area of never enough. I have people in my life, they're always broke. There's never enough to meet the need. They rob Peter to pay Paul. Does that make sense? They go from pawn shop to pawn shop. They hawk. They make it during the week. They survive. Then, the, then there's a person where it's barely enough. I'm barely making it. But we're living from paycheck to paycheck. If we missed a paycheck, we would be broke and wouldn't be able to make our house payment, our car payment, and would lose something. And that puts pressure on you that you've got to go to work every single day of your life, work overtime when it's available so you can meet the needs of your family. Then there are those that walk in enough. God, God provides. It's there. There's enough there, and you're grateful for that. And that's the little boy that had the, the two fish and the five loaves. He had, he had enough. But he turned it and sowed it in the kingdom of God. And then all of a sudden you walk in the area of more than enough. It's a good feeling at the end of the week to actually have some money left over. It's a good feeling on Monday you don't have to get an advance from your boss because you're broke. That's a good feeling. It's a good feeling when a widow or an orphan or someone comes into your life and you're able to help them with the tank of gas or help them with the meal or help them with the groceries. That's a good feeling, and I think that's a God feeling. And I think that's the way that God rolls. I think God wants you established. Um, every once in a while, it's nice to change places where you sit so you don't get in that familiarity, because there is actually a familiarity if you sit in the same place, the same time, sometimes you respond the same way. So every once in a while, it's okay to just sit in a new seat. It, it's, it freaks me out. I, I look, I expect to see David sitting there. He's sitting over there. What's all that about? Well, David's up to something. God's up to something. You never know what God's up to. But when you get established in the things of God, you're there. You're consistent. We have people in our life, and uh, many of them are here today in this house. They say, Pastor, we're going to be gone Sunday, but we're going to come by and put the tithe in the, in the mailbox. I ask them to do that. That's a God thing. That's a commitment that you make with God. And I've learned a lot of times, if God can't trust you with $100, he probably can't trust you with $1,000. And I want to make a public challenge today. If you're in an area where you're a token giver and you're in an area where you really never have tithe, I want to, I want to, I want to encourage, I want to motivate you. I want to, I want to give you a challenge. Right on the next time that you come to the house of God, write on your envelope, write the word challenge and make, make a little note to me, pastor slash challenge. I want you to tithe for three months. And in three months, if you don't see something drastically happen in your life, in your family, in your finances, in your health, in your joy, in, in your fruit, if you don't see a change in three months, I'll reimburse your money with a 10% uh, profit on that. How's that? Take, take that challenge. Those of you that are already tithing, you can't take that challenge. Only those, <laughs> only those that there's just a little fear, a little, a little a little trepidation. It's, it's a big deal to give a tenth of what you have if you're never enough, barely enough, and enough. But when you're more than enough, you're probably more than enough because God's hand is upon you and there's favor upon you. So, well, Pastor, what about the, the wealthy little type? What about this? What about that? Let me tell you something I learned a long time ago. It was probably, I don't even know that we were church yet, 
But we met the guy, and uh, we met him through Marcus and Joni, and I don't even remember his name, but he had just birthed a product called Herbal Life, and it was a, it was a, it was a line of products that uh, made you feel good, made you feel better, eating healthy, eating right. Uh, it obviously was a weight loss product. Uh, almost everyone that used the product lost weight. But as he established the company, established the product, there were a lot of questions. And there were questions as, uh, if I take this product, will it, it, will it affect my pregnancy? If I take this product, will it affect my blood sugar? If I take this product, will it will affect my sanity? Will it affect? And all these questions, and this CEO had one answer for every question. No matter what question you would ask him, he only had one answer. And you ask him about, will this affect my pregnancy? Here's what he would say. I don't know about that. But let me tell you what I know. I used the product and lost 30 pounds. Now that should be inspirational to some. Well, what about tithing? What's Old Testament? Well, this, what's that? Well, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know about that. But I know what I have done, and in my faithfulness to God, I've seen God's faithfulness to me. And I can expect God to go above and beyond because tithing is a stretch. Look at somebody say, tithing is a stretch. 10% of your gross is a stretch. But it's a trust issue. And one day I will stand before God, and I will realize that every hour I sowed financially... I make $40 an hour and I sow $40 tithe. When I sow that, I'm sowing an hour of my life. And when I sow that in the church, one day, I, the pastor, am going to give account for every dime that comes in and out of this house. And you're going to give an account for every dime that came in and out of your house. And I believe some of us are going to be, going to be blown away by the investments we made on earth, how it rolls over into heaven. So we are sowing not just physically, but we're sowing spiritually. We're sowing so there will be a harvest for us when we get to heaven. And true religion, religion simply is man's search for God. True religion is taking care of the orphan, taking care of the widow, and visiting those that are in jail, those that are in prison. And we have a, we have a jail ministry that I've asked him to come sometime this year and just talk about jail. It seemed like every time he goes to jail, he leads someone to the Lord uh, he's not just outgoing in his personality, but he's six foot eight, weighs about 318 pounds. Uh, he's trying to catch up with Alex, and uh, he's a big old boy. And, you know, when he says, do you get saved or do I beat you up? Well, nobody wants to get beat up, so he has quite a soul-winning harvest. But one day, I, I promise you, one day I'll stand before God and God will tell me what harvest did in the nation, what harvest did in the world, what harvest did uh, on national television. Uh, it won't be long. Pastor Ron will be ministering in maximum security prison. They're going to televise it. It's going to be on the air. And that's Church of the Harvest way of sending forth a missionary, sending forth an evangelist. We will be gone November 10th. We're going to minister in a church of one of my spiritual sons. The church has done very well. And we go once a year and we minister there. And when you let us go and you receive whoever we put in this pulpit that we have confidence in, when you let us go, all you're doing is adding up treasures that are in heaven. Because we're going to collect treasure that, that the moss here on earth can pervert, that rust can, can, can scorn. But when you sow in the things of God, those things cannot be stolen. They cannot be taken. They are given. They are seed. And what you sow in the earth spiritually, you're going to reap physically. I need someone to help me here and say, absolutely. 
Haggai 1, 1 and 6, let me read it. I got it right here. You sow much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages put into bags with holes. Uh, it's, kind of, uh, it's kind of funny. Last year, I had a roll of 20s in my pocket, and I went hunting. And I'm pretty sure that when I, when I pulled out my phone, it fell out of the tree stand. And so I've, I realized I lost it. I went back to the tree stand. I got down on my hands and my knees, and I started scraping the leaves. And I didn't, it was probably about $80, and uh, I didn't find it. And what was so crazy, Friday, I, I went back to the tree stand and said, well, you know what? You know, God, if you really love me, you will let me find that. And you know what? I scraped the leaves, and I didn't find it. It's like I put money in pockets. So I, so I can relate to putting money into pockets with holes in them. I don't want to stand before God and have no fruit. I don't want to stand before God. I want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. If faithful over the little things, I'll make you ruler over many. And when you commit to your praise, your prayer, your finances, that makes you established in the things of God. There was a bad time going on in, Jehoshaph in Jehoshaphat's life. They were surrounded. The enemy was going to kill them, destroy them, take them out. They got some singers. They got some dancers. They got a psalmist. The psalmist began to prophesy, and it gives us 20-20 vision, 2 Chronicles 20 and 20. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe also his prophets, so shall you prosper. I bring to your attention, this group of people was not looking for establishment. They weren't looking for prosperity. They were about to die. They were in their last few moments of life. That army of the world was going to destroy them. They weren't thinking about being established. They weren't thinking about prosperity. But even in the storm that you're in right now, God is already considering your establishment and your prosperity. Yeah. And the word says, believe your God and so shall you be established. We believe the word. Believe his prophets and those that teach you from the word of God. So shall you prosper. I believe it's a good day living for Jesus. I believe it's a good day sowing in the things that I have confidence and trust in. And I don't regret anything I've ever sowed in the kingdom of God because God, in one way or another, always seems to bless me more than I bless him. And it's like the old Big, a big Dipper, Little Dipper I've shared with you. You can go and look in the heaven. You can see the Big Dipper. You can see the Little Dipper. The Little Dipper's face towards heaven. The Big Dipper dumps out on the earth. And that's just God's shovel is bigger than our shovel. And I don't think God so much pays attention to the amount. I think he pays attention to the attitude. There's a person that gives that gripes about it. Then there's a person that gives that feels good about it. It seems like the one that has the right attitude is the one that's blessed. And I know I'm sharing a lot of stuff right now about giving, but you know what? A lot of my counseling has to do with money. We're short on money. We're short on finance. We're short on this. We're short on that. And my question is, what are you investing in the kingdom of God? What, what, what areas of life are you touching that God blesses and God will give you more? And as I begin to share, then you realize, well, if, you would, if you'd get on a budget and tell your money where to go instead of asking where it went, am I helping anybody today? If you would get on a budget, there's a very good possibility at the end of the week, you might have some money left over. Would that be crazy? And I just tell you right now, some of the things that you can do is stop eating out every single meal. Go to cook, get some groceries, cook, and see how much money a week it will save you. It's crazy. 
Quit running to Chattanooga every time you need a new shirt or new blouse. That gas money is eating up on the road. And I'm going to shut up right there because this is not about finance this week. This is about being established in things of God. Then he said, I will strengthen you. I, I want to bring to your attention, the, the Bible says in Nehemiah 8 and 10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Look at somebody and go, Phew. he stopped talking about money. He stopped talking. God said, I, after that you've suffered a while, I will strengthen you. There's a very good possibility the reason you're suffering is for dumb decisions that you have made. There's a very good possibility. And you know, if you're married now, you're stuck. You can't just turn him in and get another one. Can't turn and get another one. God will turn that around. But you might be suffering because you may have possibly married the wrong person. But aren't you glad that God has the ability to make him the right person? There's a possibility that you bought a car you couldn't afford. Can anybody relate? If you're spending more on your car payment than you are on your rent, you probably bought a car you can't, you can't afford. Maybe you've made some, maybe you made some decisions. Maybe you made some statements. Maybe you've done some dumb things. And maybe the reason you're suffering is not because you're under attack. You just did some dumb things. Well, stop doing dumb things and start hearing what the <laughs> Word of God has to say about good things, smart things, and honor what God has to say. John, John the third chapter, only verse says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So the more the soulish man grows the things of God, the more that physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally, socially, you grow and you increase the things of God. And that's being strengthened by the joy of the Lord. Per, uh, perfect peace. He, Isaiah 26 and 3 says this, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Uh, there are a lot of people in my life that their, their thought process, every waking moment, how can I get another drink? How can I get another pill? How can I get another Big Mac? They're bound, to those, they're, bound, they're bound to those things. And I'm going somewhere with this this morning. When God created you, he put two areas of your life. Actually, there's three areas of your life. But he put two areas of your life that, that can only be fulfilled through him, and that is joy, and that is peace, and that is relationship. And you can try to have a relationship with everybody and anything, but until, until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the song that says, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And so if that void is in your, in your life, you're looking for a relationship, the odds are you might date the wrong person. Odds are you might hang with the wrong person. You're trying to find that, 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 that fulfillment of belonging, of being a part of, and that only comes in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The, 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 the only reason, and I've shared this before, this is not anything new. It is a revelation. I haven't seen it in a book. I haven't heard it taught by, by Alcoholic Anonymous. But the reason that people do alcohol and meth and cocaine is they're looking for that, that joy. And that drugs only brings a substitute for joy because when you wake up, not only are you broke, not only do you have a hangover, but the next time you get high, you have to do a little bit more the next time than the last time because your body builds up immunity to that. And it's not one beer is going to get it, two beers not going to get it. And that next thing you know, you'll be like my uncle who drank a case of beer a night. And I think there were 24 in that case, four, four six back. My uncle could drink... 24 beers. Uh, and he said, he said Pat, that's, that's in pot. No, it's not. He did it. 
And you know what? In all the years we went to the lake and, and, and partied and, and did all of that, I never one time saw him drunk. He couldn't get enough alcohol in his body to get him drunk. And that's the way the world rolls. You do a little pornography here. You do a little gambling here. You do a little drink here, a little pot here. Trying to find that high when only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Oh, go ahead. Give the Lord a hand. Only that relationship with him, knowing that he's in charge of your life. That joy unspeakable is a void that God wants to give. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And when you begin to grow and begin to strengthen the things of God, you begin to realize God has got a lot of good stuff for you. God has got a really good plan for you. God ordains, orchestrates, and orders your steps so the way you walk, you walk in blessing and favor. Is there storms? Absolutely. In this world, you shall have tribulation, but God said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The Bible says the trials and tribulations are just for a season. We walk through that season into another season, the season and the blessing and the favor of the Lord. Peace. We talk about morphine, we talk about Demerol, we talk about heroin, marijuana. We put those things in our body trying to find that utopia, that place of peace. And you know what? That substitute, drugs is a substitute for the peace that God gives because the peace that God gives keeps your hearts in perfect peace. In other words, there's no storm, there's no confusion, there's no fear because God is in control. This week I went to Chattanooga several times. My renter got bit by a pit bull. And almost lost his foot, had to reconstruct his calf, had to tie the, the muscle back together, completely separated the muscle in the calf, and gonna, they're going to graft a piece of skin off his thigh onto it. But you know, every time I went to visit him, he was encouraging me. He was, he was praying with me. He was praying for me. He was encouraging me. I went to see Richard this week. Richard was talking about God's hand on his life and how God, God ha had his hand on him. And so we can be going through bad stuff and still have the peace that passeth all understanding. What is that peace that passeth all understanding? When something horrible happens in your life, you lose a child, you lose a husband, you lose a, you lose a mom or a dad, and you're going through hell, and you're going through turmoil, and you turn it over to Jesus, all of a sudden there is a peace like a blanket, there's a peace like a coat, it's like a cloud, and it ascends, it, descends, it ascends from heaven, it ascends on you, and people say, how are you so tough? How are you so... How are you so only God. Only God can bring perfect peace in the time of storm. Someone else said, you know what? You need to take your life. You know what? You need to throw that marriage away. You know what? You need to abandon your children. That's the world speaking. When God begins to speak the peace and the direction, everything that God brings and everything that God has is in order. It's consistent and it's to help you grow and it's to strengthen you. The last thing he wants to do, he wants you to be settled. He wants you to know it in your knower. Paul didn't just say, I heard from the Lord. He didn't just say, I belong to the Lord. But he said, I believe. There's a transition between believing and knowing. You can know something, but not really believe it. You can know that I can be healed. You can know I can be blessed. You can know God wants to use me. You can know God's got his hand on your life. But until you accept that, until you actually believe God's hand and God's favor, you will walk in lack and you'll walk in frustration 
because you simply don't believe. There's got to be, a, it's got to be settled in your heart and spirit. That song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though others forsake him, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. If they put me up against the wall and they put a gun to my head as they denounce Christ or, or, or die, baby, I'm out of here. I'm going zoom, zoom, zoom past the moon, past the Milky Way to a place called heaven to hang out with a man called Jesus. I was born to do that. I was destined to do that. And if that's the way I'm going, then I'm going. You can't yank it from it, take me from it, coerce it out of me. I belong to him. He belongs to me. And it is settled. We sang that song long ago, long ago. You remember that, Melissa? There's an old church of God. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And my record's clear today because he washed my sins away. And the old account was settled long ago. And when the devil tries to produce evidence to God concerning your failures, Jesus covers it with his blood. It's inadmissible. It's unappliable. You are justified just as if you had never sinned, just as if you had never dropped the ball. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Today is the yesterday. Today is the tomorrow. You worried about yesterday? Say that real fast. Today is the tomorrow. You worried about yesterday? Don't worry about tomorrow. God's got the. God's got tomorrow. God's got your back. God is in control. I got a feeling. Help me. Everything is gonna be okay. He woke me up this morning. Started me on my way. Called me blessed. Called me His. Called me healthy. And I'm walking in that promise and that joy. Divine. Amen. Seven things I would like for um, Bailey to write down since you. Oh, you're not taking notes today? Bailey, you always take notes. Bailey, I did this just for you because you're always taking notes. <laughs> two minutes to 12. I can do this in two minutes. You ready? Number one, trust in his timing. Trust in his timing. If it's not happening right now, there's a reason. Don't try to push God's timing. Don't try to get ahead of God's timing. Try to stay in the timing of the Lord. Rely on his promises. There's a chorus that said, every, every, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I'm leaning on his love divine. Every promise, Michael, in the book is mine. If it's in there, it's got your name on it. It belongs to you. Wait for his answers. We come to the altar. We pray. We ask God a question. God sends an angel to bring the question. By the time the angel gets to the altar, we're back in the lobby going through the food pantry. <laughs> Every once in a while, we just need to wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, to wait, to be mounted up like an eagle. Number three, number four, rather, believe in his miracles. I got to thinking about this yesterday in a tree stand. The stories in the Bible are so absurd that there has to be some kind of higher power 
higher depth that have, would have the courage to share these stories. I mean, you really believe that Jonah was swallowed by a well and was in his belly for three days? Hello. The acids in the well's belly, all the, all the, all the caustic, all the bad things. They, they say you can't survive an hour in the belly of the well. Yeah, but you forgot the part where it says, and the Lord prepared a fish. Okay, you're here to tell me that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tossed in a furnace that just by opening the door it killed the guard. It was that hot. You're telling me that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yes, because God is a major heating and air conditioning contractor, he just put an air conditioning unit in the fiery furnace for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You really believe that Jesus walked on the... I mean, when you think about it, the Bible is so incredible that either... Fools believe it, or faith believes it. And I, I, I was on Facebook three times this week. Uh, parents are showing off their kids. P grandparents are showing off their grandkids. And all three of those families that were sharing, I said, your babies need to be in Sunday school so they can learn about Jonah and the well, so they can learn about David and Goliath. So they can learn about Elijah and, and, the, and, the, and the, what, the miracles that God performed through him. Our kids need to have a knowledge of the things in the Word of God because the Bible says if he did it then, he will do it again. If God did it for Jonah, if God prepared something for Jonah, God can prepare a place in my job that I'm safe and I'm not going to be attacked. I'm not going to get fired. If God could create an air conditioning unit, I can take any heat that anyone would bring because greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. You've got to come to a place where you don't just read the Bible, which is a, a good thing, but you actually believe what the Bible says. And the Bible says, He of the sun sets free is free indeed. You are free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you, well, make you mad first. You shall know the truth, and the truth you know, I mean, it's truth, but if you don't, I mean, oh, I love the Bible. The Bible's full of truth. But if you never read the sucker, then how in the world are you going to know what the truths are? You shall know the truth. And the truth you know, watch it. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth you know first is going to make you mad, then it's going to make you glad. Because the promises of God are yea and amen through Christ Jesus. In Him there's no veritable. He's not sorry He called you. He'll call you again if necessary. Has a purpose and a plan for your life. It's important for you to believe this stuff in this Bible. A virgin conceives, really? Really? I mean, think about it. Really, a virgin conceives? Well, share that with Leela. She'll tell you exactly how conception takes place. It has nothing to do about being a virgin, does it, Leela? But Leela now is walking in virginity and says, no more children. But now if God decides to visit her womb and bring number eight, then we say, so be it. Go for it, Leela. You are our... Champion and Gene, you are our hero. You know, when you think about the Cantrell family, there are so many that desperately want to get pregnant. And there's so many desperately want to have a child. And God has blessed them with nine changers. Nine life changers. Dylan, there's a life change. Alana, there's a life changing. Patricia, Alden, Caleb, Leanne, and my favorite, baby Hank.
Maximus, and Josiah, they are life changers. And if the Lord tarries, those nine kids are going to change the world. They're going to change the environment. They're going to change. They were born for such a time as this, and God is faithful in that. Okay, I have two minutes after 12. Let me hurry real quick. Here we go. Rejoice in his goodness. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. But listen, that rejoice is a decision. You can wake up in the morning and say, this is the day the Lord hath made. Go outside and you got a flat tire. And you get mad. You can cuss that tire. You can have an attitude. Or you can say, you know what? There was probably a wreck down there in the corner of 25th and Keith. And God allowed the tire to be flat so I wouldn't be at the place where the devil was trying to kill me. Everything that happens in your life is not bad. There's a reason why things take place. There's a reason why things go, take, take uh, uh, There's a reason by, why Lee doesn't have a football team. There's a reason why Alex is where he's at. There's a reason for that. God has divinely orchestrated him to be there as a light in a dark place. Most kids graduate from high school. They go into college. The first thing they begin to experience is beer and sex and drugs. And Alex is there as a virgin, as a light in a dark place to shine them in the direction they need to go. And you can, you can be the best and still be a virgin. You can be the best and still be drug-free, alcohol-free. God honors your effort. God blesses that. There's a reason why he's worth There's a reason why you're sitting in that chair. There's a reason why you're here today. God's not done with you, and God wants to use you in a great way if you'll simply let him and believe his promise. Amen. Lastly, you need to learn how to relax. You need to learn how to chill. Which goes back to our first statement. God's got this. My cousin went through surgery. I went to Arkansas to be with him. He said, you didn't have to come. God's got this. God's got this. Richard, God's got this. Whatever's going on, whatever... The reason that the surgery may be postponed, because God healed you this morning, and he wants a doctor to tell you three weeks ago, we made a mistake. You have no aneurysm. You say, no, doctor, you didn't make a mistake. I had an aneurysm. But let me tell you about the blood that will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows the lowest valley. It gives us strength from day to day. It will never, say that with me, it will never lose its power. I'll give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation. We let go, let go of the bush, turn loose, trust, get committed. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, I felt this morning that there's someone here that loves the Lord, loves God, loves the church, loves life.